right. Well, good evening. It's a privilege. Well, good evening. <laughs> there we go. It's a privilege to be back here at uh, Bible Baptist. And as Brother Bob Reed, we, I've known for a while, and as well as Pastor Parrish, and uh, we've been here. My folks used to go to church here. They're now in the Spanish ministry. I think it's just kind of awesome how that's kind of worked out. And I see some familiar faces. At the same time, I see some uh, new faces, which is a blessing as well, to know the church has been going strong and growing. Uh, so praise the Lord for that. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about Camp Hosanna, our ministry there, so as the slide presentation comes up. Don't have a video quite just yet, still working on that. Uh, I've seen a lot of missionaries have some awesome videos, and <laughs> we're working on that. So I just put together a, slides for, or a PowerPoint presentation uh, that we have tonight, and we're willing it all work through. Here. There we go. All right. Well, that works. Well, we are Campo Zana. My name is Fabian Moreno. Uh, if I didn't mention that, my wife Ashley Moreno is here with me. Uh, and uh, Campo Zana was started in 2003 with a vision by um, brother, brother Stan Wood. He was the founder. He started the camp. Uh, he, he had the vision to reach young people with the gospel and to make it tuition free. He had the idea that if he didn't have to charge uh, for for salvation, for God's grace and salvation, then he didn't want. Or he didn't. He didn't have to pay for it. I mean, he didn't want to charge for it either. Um, so we started there in 2003. I say we, but I wasn't there at the beginning. Uh, but they started with tents and a big, large field there in, in the mountains of Hiawassee, Georgia. Uh, 15 acres uh, that God's given us there. And very, very humble beginnings. You know, we had a sawdust floor in the, for where to preach at. Uh, we had, um, I believe, that all the meals were brought in from local churches, and then the creek was what provided the bathhouse water, uh, so freezing cold water there uh, for the campers. And they only ran for one week that year. Uh, well, here we are years later. Oh. Skipping through <laughs> verses. I don't know, it's not going back to the... <laughs> Uh, to this one slide, uh, that in 2023, now we, we stand with, we have 12 cabins on each side, uh, six on each, or six on each side, I mean 12 cabins total with a bathhouse in between, we have a, a pavilion at the bottom, uh, we have a new dining hall, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, God's just provided that, again, free tuition, or, or uh, we don't charge us a single thing for campers to come through, uh, so God's provided all of that. And I've been there since 2009, and still from that point forward, I've been able to see God uh, provide uh, through many things, provide all the cabins, all the things we have there. Uh, like I said, we just have a huge field, and we just play games. We just come up with games. Brother Abbott would come up with the randomest, weirdest games uh, to get as many campers sent to the nurse's office as he could. Uh, and we still do those today, uh, and we love them. But... Um, and we're very thankful for the work that, that I've been able to see through the years of God provide. You know, a lot of people try to tell Stan that he was not going to be able to do it, that he's going to have to start charging eventually. And as far as I know, uh, and I might be wrong, but as far as I know, the camps that I know of, we're the only camp that's still tuition-free uh, after having started tuition-free. And here we are in our 21st summer uh, going into it. So what Camp Santa it's all about, number one, obviously, is reaching young people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're there to preach the word. Uh, we have lots of fun. We do all kinds of things. We have a mud pit. We have a creek on our property. We have, um, we have all kinds of games, like I mentioned. Uh, but our main mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
uh, to people from around the area, and we made it free so people, local kids, could come out and be there and 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 know about Jesus Christ. Uh, because sadly, as it is, we live in the quote unquote Bible Belt, and I think still is considered that by many people. Yet, and we have churches in Hiawassee. If you've been there, uh, you guys were there. Uh, the Haynes were there apparently just yesterday. We have churches everywhere. Almost every other corner, you see it, uh, and even Baptist churches. Uh, yet, the kids in our local area. Uh, don't know about Jesus Christ, don't know about salvation, uh, and they've never heard it. And, and it's sad, and, and that's why we're there uh, to reach them with the gospel. Uh, we're there to disciple those who have been there uh, with our testimony, the testimony of the counselors. Well, then we do what we can do in that one week that we have them to be able to uh, show them a good testimony, uh, show them the fact that Christians can, uh, ha- can have fun, be, have joy in the Lord, and, and we try to disciple them. We tell our counselors, hey, we only have them for that one week, the world has them for the rest of their lives. We try to do what we can, knowing that if, if they are saved, uh, to improve and grow in their walk with him. And, of course, we want to glorify God with everything we do. To, do, to uh, achieve that purpose, obviously, we have Bible preaching. We have uh, uh, chapel services in the morning, chapel services at night. And then in between, that's when we have all our activities. We have an obstacle course, a mud pit, as I mentioned, a creek that runs the whole uh, length of the property where kids can jump off of the dock. Uh, swimming, uh, a little swimming hole there, and then uh, they can do a lazy river trip with, the, with tubes. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I was there as a camper in 2007, 2008, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and it's just a blessing, like I said, to be able to see that and, and see the growth that's been at Camp Hosanna. But we have you know, all kinds of activities. We try to come up there with a big field in the pavilion and everything that we do. And of course, there's a personal counseling. Now, I have nothing against any other type of camps. Uh, you know, I guess I would be biased if I said our camp was the best, uh, but there are different purposes. There's different camps. And what I, one thing I love about our camp is that there is that personal counseling. You know, I've been to the big, huge ones where uh, there's just thousands of kids, thousands of teenagers that go. Um, and our counselors have 10 or 12 campers in their cabin that they get to deal with every day personally. Uh, and I think that's a wonderful thing. You, you see through the preaching, uh, kids being dealt with, and they, as soon as the invitation starts, they'll go towards the back, and they'll head to that one counselor that they've been getting to know and getting acquainted to throughout the, uh, throughout the week there. And we can have that personal counseling. I think it's, it, it really helps out uh, to the end of you know, seeing them reach Christ, seeing them uh, learn about salvation. Uh, and you know, we're going through sharing about the camp, mostly sharing about our ministry as, as directors there. Uh, and churches ask us, you know, what can we do? What can, they, what can the church do? Well, obviously, the first and foremost thing you can do is to pray. Uh, we need your prayers. Satan is not happy at all with what's going on at, at the camp. I believe uh, the first year I was there full-time as director, Mrs. Springwood, the, the founder's wife, she said, we dealt with everything that we've dealt with throughout all the years all in one summer. My first summer. That was a trial by fire, and I really think God was just using that to show me what it might be like. Praise the Lord. Last year was a little, um, was a little more uh, stress-free, but it's still something there. I just lost the presentation, didn't I? <laughs> uh, it's still, it's still, you know, we're still, we'll still, still deal with things. We're, we're low on staff. We're always low on staff, and we're still, we're, we have faith that God's going to provide, as he did last year. Um, but I do ask that you pray for young people to be able to commit. We know, we understand it's a lot to ask a young person, college age, older teenagers, to commit for two months or a couple weeks or a month. 
out of their summer when they could be working. Uh, but we do know that if they come and they are there serving, they're there for the right reasons. They're there to see kids saved. They're there to glorify God. Um, but I ask that you pray with us as we get closer. Uh, we're probably half of what I would like to have as staff. Um, and like I said, God's provided, God provided last year in a great way, and I believe you can do that again this year. But just be praying um, for all of that. And then, obviously, we're, we're, we're looking to raise financial support. Uh, we're looking for people to volunteer staff, if you know anybody, and, and to come join us. Uh, it's only four hours away, but it's a beautiful property. And if you uh, want to come out there, we, we're right there on the property living there. Uh, like I said, a couple of new things. We have the new dining hall, multipurpose building. This is the Brother Billy Abbott Memorial Dining Hall. It's downstairs. We were able to dedicate it to Brother Billy Abbott last year. Uh, and be able to be there for the first time uh, in the, to eat in the air conditioning was a great blessing for us, for the campers. It was awesome to have that, as well as not to have to break down tables and put up chairs for chapel at every single meal for, um, in the pavilion. Now we have this one designated dining hall. That's the, that's the downstairs. <clears throat> uh, there it is, just uh, mostly put in, into use. We have a commercial great kitchen. Be praying as we keep trying to add things there to make life easier at the camp. Uh, uh, as you can see, it's still kind of in construction. We have uh, the, um, the vent there, the vent hood above the, above the kitchen. Is that still trying to be, be constructed and, and, and figured out? Uh, we have upstairs is a, a bunch of uh, eight multipurpose rooms that we were going to try to use for all kinds of things. Our, our vision is to expand not just in the summer to be able to have Winter retreats, fall retreats, couples retreats, church, whatever they can, uh, we, can, we can do, that upstairs will be able to be heated and air, and air conditioning uh, for when we're not using any of the summer. And throughout the summer, we'd be able to uh, keep staff that are adult that want to stay throughout the night. And they're not going to stay with the campers themselves, so they, they, they can stay overnight in these rooms. In fact, if you see the drywall area on this side, it's actually where me and my wife stay during the during the summer so we can be able to be there. We, we've been able to finish two rooms just so we can live there throughout the summer and be there close to the campers. So just pray as we get that going. We've got some insulation. Uh, we're still working on getting drywall up, and we want to be able to be using that facility uh, full-time. Um, so obviously the other new thing is uh, I, I still call it new, and it's still very new to me. Uh, we've just uh, been there two full years going on our third uh, my wife and I, and uh, we need your prayers. Uh, it's still, uh, like I said, still very new to me. I was there under Brother Abbott as a counselor, and now to be able to step into that, you know, step into his shoes, but he had a lot of uh, big shoes to fill, but just this one facet of what he did as a ministry, uh, I've had the blessing of just seeing that need, talking to Brother Stan, telling him I wanted to help out somehow, and apparently what he was looking for was a director, and God knew all that. God, it was wonderful to see, just to look back and see God's hand in it all, and he called us there, and we're there full-time. I have not, I'm not taking a, a full-time job or, any, or a part-time job outside of the camp because we want to focus completely on the camp, uh, and there is work throughout the year. It's not just in the summer and I take a break through the, through the fall and winter and spring. No, we work throughout the year, uh, whether it's promoting Camp Hosanna. Uh, we try to meet with people at the local schools and do, do, uh, try to help out there as a, in a mentoring program and try to encourage kids to come to the camp. Uh, so just pray for us as we, as we continue to go in our deputation where, well, I was going to say uh, over 50%, but that was when my numbers were for just two people. Now we're two and a half. 
uh, we are expecting um, <laughs> a brand new baby due September, full-time worker at Camp Hosanna. Uh, but we're, so the numbers have changed. So I, we're still a little over 50% praise the Lord. We started going out in deputation last year, and God has been good uh, just to, with giving us meetings, giving us people, uh, churches and individuals to support us. Uh, so I just, that's the last slide. It's just a, a beautiful property there that God uh, has had his hand in for 21 years. And I just ask that you pray uh, for what you can do for, uh, with camp, for camp, uh, and pray for us as we get ready to start the 2023 year. As soldiers of Christ is our, is our theme. Uh, we are using 2 Timothy, and I'll read that before I go right into the message. 2 Timothy 2.3. For, oh, 2 Timothy. Always the first one. You'd think I'd know something like that. It's our theme verse coming up. Um, Oh, I was in the wrong, the wrong Timothy. Thou, and it is 2 Timothy 2.3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Our idea being that we are in a battle. We are in a war for uh, the soul of America. The soul of just souls, uh, period. And uh, we are going to have to endure some hardness. And, and as we go into the world and as we uh, face the world, and we ought to endure, and our, and our call is to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And uh, so that, that's our theme this year. You pray as we start, and June 5th will be our, the first Monday there at Camp Hosanna. So we be praying with us uh, for that. We will be in Matthew 9 this evening. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 36. Matthew 9.36, if you're able, please stand with me as we read the word of God. Matthew 9.36, read these three verses, then I'll pray. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, I thank you, Lord, again, just for the privilege, Lord, the freedom we have in this country to be able to meet together, Lord, in church and preach your word, Lord, and, and hear your word, God. I want to pray, Lord, that as we get started, God, I just looking through this chapter, Lord, looking through a section of the life of our Lord here on earth, uh, Father, we would look to it, apply it to our lives what we can, God, and, and that um, we would be in that, be able to honor and glorify you, Lord, in everything we do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So we'll be kind of going through the chapter, chapter 9 there, if you want to turn back to the beginning of that chapter. Now, our lives are filled with actions and reactions, right? Actions, reactions, actions, reactions. I lived on my own for a little less than 10 years, and my actions at my own home didn't really have a whole lot of reactions, right? I have some, maybe some consequences for myself, but it was only myself to blame. Now that I've been married a year, all my actions have reactions, I've noticed. <laughs> Good or bad, though, I have learned that she's always right, uh, that she's always justified in that. Um, but that, that's changed now, right? Uh, but maybe that's not the best illustration, but in history, we've also had Actions and reactions. Now, I'm not a history major, but I remember some key things from, from high school. Uh, 
I know when the, the assassination of an Archduke of France happened, this sparked the beginning of the First World War, action, reaction. The ongoing Cold War against the Russians uh, sparked the fact that the Americans intended to go to the moon to prove, just to prove that we were better than the communists. Uh, and then, and once young Adolf Hitler was denied entry to an art school, the Allied forces ended up bombing Hiroshima. Obviously, there's a lot in between there, but th there's things that we see in history that have an action and a clear reaction because of, of things that happened uh, in, 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 the, in the run of history. Now, being able to read here uh, the Gospels, I've had the privilege in the last probably, and I've been going pretty slow, uh, half a month being able to read the Gospels in harmony, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and just kind of see uh, the stories all intertwining. Obviously, it's all the same story, uh, just different accounts, different eyewitness accounts uh, for some of them. And uh, it's been a privilege just to go through the life of our Savior, learning, learning more and more about him. But as I read chapter 9, I saw a lot of these actions, reactions. This happened, so then this happened. Either whether Jesus had a reaction, the Pharisees had a reaction. I just kind of saw that theme throughout the chapters. I want to look at some of them. As we start in chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And he entered into a ship and passed over came into his own city. So we see here that Jesus Christ coming into his own city, his own country, comparing the Gospels, we see that as he's walk, getting further and further into the city, these events unfold in chapter 9. And we have our first action there in, first, in verse number, one, number 2. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy, laying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. So he forgave this man's sins. And if we remember the story in Mark and in Luke, uh, in Mark 2, Luke 2, this is the same paralyzed man that was brought down uh, from the ceiling. Uh, we, we, we feel like that's a story that gets told a lot in, in Sunday school. We've known it. Uh, and this man gets brought down. Jesus Christ sees, his, sees their faith of them that brought him down and says, that he forgives his sins. So here we see our first reaction in verse three. And behold, certain of the scribes said with themselves, within themselves, this man blasphemeth. So they see Jesus Christ forgive this man of their sins. And their reaction, their first reaction is to, hey, this man, to say this man is blaspheming. And for, in fact, in Mark and Luke, they, the same scribes say, who can forgive sins but God only? And this, this, this reaction towards Jesus' miracles was the usual reaction that, reaction that he saw most of the time. And, but this time they were right. Who can forgive sins but God only? Right? They, they were right. This was Jesus, God in the flesh. And he was in front of them performing miracles uh, and they would not see that. And he shows it. He, he even kind of performs a small miracle reading their minds here in the next verse. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? And I think that's, that should be enough, kind of like, get them thinking, hey, there's something about this guy, something different. You know, this might be the son of God. But no, they, uh, they, they choose not to believe. But he says, verse 5, whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or, say, or to say, arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth, both eat on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. So you see that Jesus reacts to their reaction, uh, reading their mind, and just to show him that he's got the power to forgive sins, he heals this man. At this, the multitude itself reacted. When the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which is given such power unto men specifically. See, it's a good thing that they marveled, they glorify God, but then they say, he has given 
given power unto men. In Mark, they react saying, we never saw it in this fashion. In Luke, they say, we have seen a strange thing today. They basically come out of, uh, out of that house saying, that was weird. You know, that's their reaction. Now, this is the man, this is the son of God. This is God in the flesh. No, he's performing miracles right in front of their eyes and they still can't grasp that this is the son of God. That is their reaction. Our second reaction here, we see Jesus Christ dining with sinners in verse nine. As Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto them, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at me in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. So he meets Matthew, the author, human author, I should say, of this book. Uh, And Matthew serves him a great feast, according to Luke. And Jesus sits with publicans and with sinners. And the reaction of the Pharisees, as we see in verse 3, is they are disgusted almost. Um, Verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw it, They said unto his disciples, why eateth thy master with publicans and sinners? And these are tax collectors. Remember Matthew or Levi, he was a tax collector. And him, along with the rest of the the Jewish tax collectors, were hated by their own kind. Why? Because they were taking uh, the tax, picking up the tax from the Jewish people, giving it to the Romans. So they were hated. And the Pharisees could not grasp, grasp the fact that Jesus would sit down and eat with them. Right? So what's Jesus' answer here in verse 12? When Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, to, righteous but sinners to repentance. So here he uses an illustration of doctors and physicians. He quotes the prophets to them. I believe that's Hosea there. He quotes the prophets to them. And and he tells them his mission here on earth. It's not just to heal the sick. That's not why he came. It's not to do anything else. But his mission, his main focus was to come to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek, to come to have sinners come to repentance. That was his point of being here on earth. How else was he going to do that if he would not go to them and seek them out? And a third Third event here, we see a third action in verse 18. We'll skip these couple of verses in verse 18. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped them, saying, My saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Now we get the name of this, uh, this ruler of the synagogue and, and, and Mark, I believe, as Jairus, right? This is Jairus' daughter and that, that, that story that we might uh, know pretty well. And they set out to go to Jairus' house and he, um, we know the story here. He finds a woman that was uh, with the issue of blood there in verse 20. He heals her and in the midst of that, and Matthew and, Mark, Matthew and Luke kind of, uh, or Luke and Mark kind of give us a full picture of that is that while they're walking to their house is when the, the young girl dies. They come to him. They tell him, why, why do you bother our master? She's dead. Just you know, let him go. But Jesus insists that he would have faith and believe. And they get, make their way to Jairus' home. And really the event and the action I want to see is uh, down in verse 23. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. These were minstrels, 
lamenting, mourning for the death of a child. And when Jesus comes in and tells them what he says, what's their reaction? They laugh at him. And every, every um, event or every account of this in the Gospels, they specifically says they laughed him to scorn. They laughed him. They mocked him. What a disrespect, obviously, to our Lord as we see it, but even to the family there as they're there to mourn, to, to lament. And, and, and this was done as a, as a custom to, to help the family, to be with them at this time. But they turned to laughter at, at Jesus' words. Jesus' reaction is that he doesn't have time for it. He gets on going with, because uh, he says he, he give, give place, he gets them out of there. Uh, verse 25, when the people were put forth, so he kicks them out and he, he went and took her by the hand and the maid arose. So his reaction that we see is that he just goes on to heal uh, the, Jairus' daughter. And then verse 26, and the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. So we see that the multitude's reaction again, it spreads. Even though in, in, the, in the other account, he tells them not to tell anybody. And Jesus did this a lot throughout his ministry. And I always wondered why, but we just saw and we see again that his point of being here was not to heal. I believe he did these things out of a compassion. He saw a need of sick people. He wanted to heal them and to show the power, that, that like, like we saw in the first story, that he had the power to forgive sins. But his emphasis, his time here on earth, again, was to focus on seeking and to save. For people to believe, eventually without seeing, the message of salvation. So in the next few verses, we, we keep kind of running into the same thing. Uh, he heals two blind men and casts out a devil. With the blind men, we see the same problem. He, he tells them, don't tell them to anybody. I believe that's verse, uh, verse 30. Uh, they, well, that's when he healed them. Um, now, he charged them saying, yeah, verse 30, see that no man know it. And what did they do? They were departed, they spread around his fame. So they went and told him anyways. And then the Pharisees, when he cast out a devil, what do they say? Oh, he's doing this by the power of Satan, by the, by the prince of the devils, uh, cast, he's casting out devils. That's their reaction when he goes to and heals a man that, was, that was, had a devil within, within him. He can't win. <laughs> uh, and we see here a last, a final reaction after verse 35, because in verse 35, we see that Jesus went about, so he keeps going, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Once again, it's the main point right there. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Secondary, right? The gospel, primary, the healing and all that was secondary. But he keeps going, right? He's getting closer and closer to, to Jerusalem, or to his own city, and, and he keeps going. And as we get to verse 36, which is where we started, Verse 36, this is the context now of chapter 9, what we've seen throughout the whole story. I don't know if this was a week in Jesus' life. I don't know if this was a couple of days, half a month. I don't know how it was, uh, but he, he looks, I, I think he would look, look back to all these events that have been unfolding, all these things that have been happening to him. Uh, and, and in this context, Jesus comes to verse 36. Uh, well, what was the context? He was accused of blasphemy. He was ridiculed uh, for sitting with sinners. He was laughed at. He was laughed at to scorn. He was accused of using Satan's powers. And he looks at the multitudes, the crowds. And what, what does he say? The people he's met throughout his journeys, looking back in the, that week or a couple of days, what is, what is his reaction? Is he filled with anger? Is he, is he filled with a, with a hurt pride and, or indignation or anything like that? Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on, on them because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He was moved and he was filled with compassion. And I know this is not news to you. If, you've born, if you're born again and you know salvation, you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins, you know that he is full of compassion. But, but still to be able to meditate on that, why did he have compassion? Well, it says right there, they fainted. They fainted and were scattered abroad. They were weak, both, both literally and metaphorically. They were scattered abroad, this, this purse thrown out as sheep, having no shepherd. I'm no shepherd, but I know sheep without a shepherd are a danger to themselves, at, at the very least a danger, if not fatal, to themselves. Thinking of this, this caused him to stop. And, and he was moved. Our Savior was moved with compassion. He pitied them. And in Webster's 1828 dictionary, he calls it a, uh, he calls it com- compassion a mixed passion compounded of love and sorrow. A love that caused our Savior pain for their estate that, they, that he saw them in. That was his reaction to everything else that we've read and as he sees the multitude. He then turns to his disciples and, and he says, verse 36 and verse 37, or 37 and 38, then saith unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore of the, the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful. You, you imagine that the largest yield of a field that you can gain, I'm not a... I'm not a farmer either, but I do know that you want to do the most that you can to try to increase your yield, whether that's uh, putting fertilizer or that putting lime over it, uh, taking out all the weeds. You want to do the, the most. But this field, as he saw it, it was ready. It, was, it would produce a great harvest, but he was lacking in labors. He needed labors. So in the following chapters, in fact, Jesus sends out the 12 with his power uh, to, to, for, with, to do miracles. And then he sends out 70 in, another, in one of the other gospels. He sends out 70 or 72. He sends them two by two to proclaim his coming and to proclaim his word. But we go back to verse 36. We were supposed to be followers of Jesus. Christians, right? The name Christ in our name. We're following him. We're supposed to be examples of Jesus Christ. Oh, how we need that same compassion today in our, in our lives. It's one of the very important characteristics of our Lord that we should imitate. Compassion, of course, for the lost. They're all around us. Now, I have a privilege, and at the same time, it's a burden uh, throughout the summer that for seven Mondays, I'm going to see a new field as it were. I'm going to see a new group of teenagers or, or juniors come to the camp. And we at the camp, we're filled with, with questions. We're filled with compassion, thinking, are these, do they know Jesus Christ? Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the kids that we, have, we get, it's kind of half and half. A lot of them, they've never been to church, never sat down in, in, in one service throughout their lives. And we look at them, you know, we think, are they going to get saved this week? Will, will God work in their heart to a point where they will, he will break their spirit and, and they would come to him for salvation? And will, will they accept him? Or will they go out and, and, and live the rest of their lives not, not, a, not accepting Jesus Christ? And we, we see that. And like I said, seven Mondays throughout the summer, we just see a, a new group every time. And we sit and wonder how, the, how this week's going to be. Will they listen? Will they, will they uh, hear the gospel and accept it and, 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 claim, and claim it for themselves? Now, uh, we're not all camp directors. I know that. Uh, but we have a field. You have a field here in Fort Mill is, is your field, right? And we see, and you, you can look out to, in this field, in South Carolina, Rock Hill, all this area. Um, you see what's going, out, going on in the world today. 
Right? What is our reaction? You know, all you have to do is, is look at news or, or social media. What is, what is our reaction to the world and the state that they are in? Well, of course, what should our reaction be? And of course, it should be of compassion for the lost. After Jesus dealt with all this, knowing what had happened, but not only that, he knew what was going to happen, that these very, uh, these very people would, um, would the, same, the same people that one day praising him as the king of kings, another day yelling crucify. So he knew what was going to happen. And what he even said at the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. Jesus Christ was, of course, filled with compassion. And as we go out, into our mission field, wherever that may be, whatever that's for, that's for you. For me, it's going back to Camp Ozan and, and doing what we can to see these uh, kids understand salvation and get to that point and point them to the invitation. And, and that's our, our goal there. That's for us. But whether that's your field, whether here in Fort Mill, Rock Hill, wherever you're at, I pray that we have compassion for the lost. I pray that we have a compassion that moves us to act, a compassion that says, uh, to, that moves us to share the gospel, hand out a track. Do something for those people that are, that are lost and on their way to hell. I pray that we are able to have that compassion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, I thank you, Lord, again for your word. I thank you for Jesus Christ, Lord, who had compassion on me, a sinner, Lord, to die for my sins, God, and for the sins of the world, Lord. I, I'm, I'm so thankful for that, God. And I pray, Lord, that I and the church, Lord, that all of us, Lord, would have that same compassion, Lord, as we go on our day, the rest of the night, the, the rest of our week, the rest of our lives, having compassion on the lost, Lord, I pray that uh, we'd put this to practice in our lives, Father. I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.